Hello, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this is uh, That's Never Ten Years, and uh, I'm Aram Dugan. I'm joined here by Michael Wood. Yes, thank you for having me in your lovely cow shed. This is a. Oh, Mike, um, coming to the end of pre-season, uh, I says, uh, also you've got a, a remaining uh, cup tie to, to play on Saturday. Um, how do you think that your pre-seasons went with uh, with the new management team? Yeah, I think when Jason Pete came in, there was kind of a sense of maybe eyebrow raising slightly. This is a guy who obviously walked into his role at Dundee, having been head of like youth development at the club. And the kind of interesting thing about the... His departure, I guess, when he was kind of riding high with the Peterhead victory and the win at Tynecastle, and then getting dumped to by Strachan and his cohorts for, um, I guess, Strachan's old pal uh, Aberdeen, Mark McGee, left a sour taste in many Dens Park fans kind of craw, and I suppose rightfully so. After he's seen that disaster of a man did to that club in the end, and he's been pushed on his way, and Gary Boyer's coming. But I think once. It's easy when a new manager comes in and says the right things, but we all know actions mean. <laughs> the last two managers we've had who like to talk a lot of bluster and Peter Grant and John Hughes is actually actions which help. And I think what McPeak's done is he's added Chris Hamlin, who's maybe wasn't the. Maybe it wasn't necessarily his signing, but I think he was happy to have him on board. I think that was one that was in the works beforehand. He's a, he's a Dalton Freeland fan. Whether that makes any real difference to his ability on the park or not is by the by but the fact that I've kind of a local lad on your side when you're on that kind of a low is a good thing around the club and then he's brought in kind of like Benedict it's definitely one of his signs a guy that was Rafe Rover's captain but he also shared the dressing room with um, Mick Pake at Dundee so it's one that he's very familiar with and in similar position he'll definitely know his abilities what he brings to the table the fact that he's already took the armband in, the, in lieu of Doran's kind of being out injured and being the only injury during uh, pre-season which is kind of a blessing I suppose means that the Freeland are on a very even keel just now. I think we're watering on very well. The pre-season results, there's only one defeat, and that was at the home game against Kilmarnock, the only goal that they conceded to a team that um, obviously won the championship last season. Uh, so I think that pushed us into the League Cup campaign, believing that the Freeland can once again, for maybe the fifth successive season, um, progress to the last 16, which would be quite a coup for a team that's gone down to League One, even though we've seen it in Ireland there, who have... Progressed with the likes of St Johnston's, you Ayers, Queen of the Souths as well. So the, the, the fact that the Freeland can make the last 16 once again and maybe potentially bring in a, a, a course of money might push into these new signs that seem to be of lacking. But I suppose as we'll talk about further on the latest, latest, uh, later on the episode, I don't think that the necessarily need an abundance of signs to get them across the line of League One. I think maybe there'll be a, a slight adjustment and uh, I think it'll be more than fine for somebody like Mick Pake who. I think he's instantly came in and kind of sorted the team out in his kind of way and I think that's to be improved and, he, and he's no give the big bluster, he's no give the big I am, he's got about quietly his business, he's kind of set out his stall, he kind of knows what he wants to do, it seems to be in kind of line with the thinking with the club and I think the Freeland could be very happy at this early stage in the season that they're maybe moving towards the right way. Now that can all, all go to shit when we play at Alwa tomorrow and potentially lose but just now as we're sitting here on Thursday afternoon. Um, no, I'm quite happy with Dunfermline as a club. Well, that's um, also there's there was um, it wasn't a popular choice of, of appointment McPeak, um, but certainly have started the the League Cup campaign well. That uh, brilliant win against Bucky also on, on the uh, last Tuesday night um, with the with the five 0 I mean, that's that a, it's a big come, Bucky's a big thing. He's come back on that in a, in a wee while, but um, also Saturday there uh, with the with the 
the close loss against uh, Ross County, a team that's gone through a bit of a, I wouldn't say a renaissance, but I certainly kind of moved forward underneath uh, Malcolm McKay uh, from from when they looked like they were a team kind of circling the, the relegation drain from from the the, the Premiership. So it does look like he's um, he's taken players that 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 seemed to struggle last year, like uh, Todorov, that's his, uh, and, and, and maybe giving them a bit, bit of a, of a, of a refreshing, uh, of a refreshing day, and, and set them on the, on the right tracks again. Yeah, I mean, Todorov apparently was one that McPake actually wanted at Dundee, um, for a spell. I don't think, I don't think it would have been the Premiership season, I think it would have been in the Championship. So, the fact that he's maybe working with a guy that he's kept a close tab on as well, as an aide, Really, he's kind of backup just now to McCann. He is. He came off and scored two goals against the, the mighty Bucky Thistle as well. So, uh, obviously, I think for goal scorers, it doesn't matter the opposition. It's just finding the back of the net. It helps them aid with the confidence. As long as they are finding the net, then they'll get a boost from that. So, if he's getting something from the big man, um, that will certainly help because. It's not that he likes to play with a big man, but I'd say the two out strikers at the club at this moment in time in McPake's 4-3-3 system are going to be McCann and Todorov, two boys that can put themselves about against the big burly centre-halves in League One. And of course, there's, there is football players in, in League One, of course, that centre-back. It's not just like the 90s and the early 2000s where they're all just absolutely hammer throwers. But the, the fact that maybe for physically... It's not just going to be a small guy going up against these guys, it's a guy that can hold the ball and bring others into play as a great aid as well. And I think that McPig is going to be a guy that is going to quietly bring about a kind of confidence within the squad without having to be the big kind of figure on a totem pole, which I think Hughes and Grant wanted to be. They wanted to be these kind of idolised figures, where McPig's just happy around. And I think the most impressive thing about McPig for me is that he kind of has a humble being about him he's, he's kind of talked about the things that like he, he knows maybe he got and fairly sacked at Dundee at, at that point in time but he's not um, he knows he's not without his flaws and what he's done there he knows that he made mistakes there and what he wants to improve on and this is still a young manager making his way into the game and while maybe wasn't the most popular choices again it's maybe when we talk about the signings as well it's like you've got to understand the position the club are in we still took a guy that was managing in the Premiership last season and brought him into a League One outfit. Um, while maybe wasn't the maybe Stuart Petrie because he's done rather well one shows and has that pull as kind of an ex-player. So guys are going to instantly come towards uh, fans are going to instantly come in the crowd and come towards them immediately. Then that that's why maybe it's kind of become fractious. It wasn't everybody's first choice. But I'd say if you put a list there, it's not like a that situation where like how the fuck we sign this guy? It's Fair enough. This guy, this guy. If you maybe gave an option of like four or five names, then he would have been one of the candidates that you would have selected. So I think, well, he's come off on the kind of back foot. I think that's really quieted down quickly because he's gave fans a realistic expectation of what the season's going to be. Not this kind of John Hughes. I want to take him into the top flight. Peter Grant. I still think we can make the playoffs after winning the first eleven games. It's a very based in reality kind of thing, which I think. When fans can get very emotional and kind of overawed in these things, for having the guy at the helm to kind of keep the feet on the ground, I think that's a very intelligent person to have as your kind of mouthpiece as a club. I mean, um, 
kind of from from looking out from the outside, like uh, I've always been quite impressed with with McPeak. That says he uh, also Dundee fans are very um, torn about him. Says he uh, believed that he, he wasn't uh, as good a manager as what he what he um, is what they needed, to, uh, but did get a an unfancied Dundee team uh, promoted up to uh, up to uh, the the Premiership. Also, maybe a little bit of a, a step too far for him. That that point in his uh, in his management career that it's uh, coming done for him. That says can't really say that they that they they traded up though, as you said with with Mark McGee. Maybe have uh, maybe have been better placed to, to have let him go down with Dundee and and, and build again. But that's uh, that's not the that's not the subject of the podcast. But. Um, as you said, and that says he is very low key. He's very uh, this kind of new new vein of manager that he's not a, a, a mouthpiece. He's not um, he's not there just screaming at players. Eh? I mean, I, I always say to think that okay, one of my my, my favourite anecdotes was uh, was um, when Jim Jeffries was in charge of Dunfermline, and I can always uh, mind. I think it was Keith that said it said um, that that. Joe Carroll, you know, it, it, I, I didn't, I was uh, cut inside and that, says, uh, can you don't film fans are also very, very easily pleased because that's all he does, that is cut inside, but um, he, he cut inside, uh, I think he got caught up twice in a row and uh, and Jim Jeffries had uh, gone to keep and shouted, if you cut inside one more fucking time, I'll beat you in the fucking bench, you'll never see the light of day again, <laughs> and they. Uh, I say, say, uh, Ken Hawk. We've all always liked these kind of old school kind of camels. You're um, again going on to that mixture. Jockey, uh, Jockey Scots, that that kind of idea, and that says, but uh, you do feel it's their time's over. Their yeah. time's over, and it's it's now time of of, of the can uh, these kind of as you say humble humble managers that um, that know can know that. It's no longer about running up and down sand dunes. It's no longer. It's no longer about running through brick walls and uh, and chasing the white goalkeeper by from forty yards to to, to hopefully why make him skew a goal kicker or or a white pass back. Well, I mean, you look at um, John Hughes. He always says one of his many anecdotes at the film was, "I want to see the players come off the team bus or get out of their cars." And the right attitude, like backs up straight, shoulders back, head, chin held high. It's like, like, like John Hughes, like great value, be great on the after dinner circuit. But it's just like at, at these days, what are you offering to a football club? From, I always mind. I was uh, I was at sea when that when when uh, John Hughes came coming as manager, and uh, kind of also I was I was only getting the kind of the. the Podcast group chat once every now and again, like and uh, as you were saying, she's always he's come out and said this, and uh, uh, it seemed more like a gimmick rather than a rather than like a, a manager kind uh, of the time. And I mean, I, I can I can understand his sentiment. That no, says you, you want you want can players can rearing the go. You want players ready to to, to give it can a hundred percent came for, but it's. It's one thing saying I want the players to give a hundred percent. It's different being like if they're not wearing their, their boots, coming out their cars, or kind of day, what I know them kind of idea. Like and they, I mean, I'm I'm one hundred. Can I'm sure that Kenny wasn't expecting that, but it, it, it's just that that kind of like 
Dunfermline were also in a, in a horrible situation last year and that's just, it was kind of like the like a uh, like just as, as I say but Ross County just caught in that kind of drain idea like and uh, you felt it's not it's not the right time to make these kind of like half jokes kind of uh, it's, and it's uh, the Mary Band of Rascals he's surrounded himself with like when Brian Ice got uh, I, th- I think he left by mutual agreement at, at Hamelin but obviously something wasn't right there that he left and obviously Shirt Taylor came in he was kind of jobbed out and then John Atkinson there but the, the point is Brian Rice when he was out of the game obviously good friends with John Hughes he'd be at training most days just as, an, as a kind of observer and seeing what he could relate to John Hughes and like that's absolutely fine he was doing that off his own back obviously the film weren't paying him anything for that but there's another kind of manager who, who you hope Dunfield will be facing this, this season uh, and his our team as soon as the, this Saturday but there's a, there's, there's a guy Often in his opinion, and the villain couldn't get out, couldn't kick on. John Collins was at the game, so obviously one of Hughes' cohorts from the time I uh, Celtic. I don't know if they crossed over at Hibs, but perhaps they did. Uh, again, no going no, no get a tune out there. He's doing off his own back. No get a tune out there. So he was threading themselves with all these guys from the past, or I mean, Rice is relatively new as a manager, but he's been around the block nah, as an assistant nah, for years. He's been no getting a tune, but it's McPake's something. A bit more fresh, maybe a bit in tune to what the you kind of up to your Dorans, but maybe not up to the new generation of your like your Andrew Todds, your Jake Rainey's, your Sam Ra- Youngs, and your Michael Beagle, who are just coming through as apprentices. He's maybe not got the in touch with them, but I think he's more attuned to what maybe they need to be professionals. Because I think the sixteen-year-olds coming the, around these days, as much as they're maybe the kind of slagged off in social media terms for being the millennials and that. I think the level of professional you get at 16 years old is much better than the level of professional you get when Hughes was coming through and your likes of your Brian Rice's are coming through. I think these are guys who are very dedicated to the game. A lot of them won't drink alcohol, for example. They're very, they might not be the most kind of ebullient characters and kind of forthright in their opinions, but I think if you ask them to do something, they'll do it to the best of their abilities. Whereas in the past, you may have got some mouthy guys and maybe that was kind of accepted because maybe your chance to manager a bit but I think these guys they have a, a level of professional about them which McPake can kind of keep in touch with rather than just balking them for not doing the, the simplest of tasks there needs to be a development process that these are young guys who will be given the opportunity when they're seen fit and they'll be allowed to make mistakes to develop rather than just knock them down to try and build them up again because I don't think that worked in the past necessarily and I was reading Gary Neville's autobiography and he's talking about team bonding and team bonding included things like, like uh, ma- uh, simulating love to like a, a cardboard cutout of a Welsh international, uh, getting a ball knocked off your head, get put in a tumble dryer. Like, how do any of these things? <laughs> one obviously it helps your team bonding in some perverse sense, but how does it make you a better player? You know, I mean, that's why I think while we all kind of think oh everything was better than the olden days. It can't be. Everything's got to move and evolve forward, and I think nowadays the, the young professionals know how to take to the game and know what's best for their own careers and they don't need to bought for everything that they do in training and everything that they do on the on the field. They need and that's why I may pick maybe be in touch with those players and the, and the way that John Hughes can. Like John Hughes was talking about Andrew Todd, obviously son of Andy Todd, and saying like, Oh he's a great player, oh he'll be he'll be pushing for the first team soon. Never seen him on the never seen him on the bench. Now obviously the player a such a such shit situation that you don't want to push a 16 year old man into that into that perhaps 
but I still was like you're talking of this boy and just getting his hopes up for what nothing whereas McPig says these are good young lads they'll be around the first team squad uh, if they're good enough they'll get the ability <laughs> you're, you're putting their feet on the ground and you're saying to them if you perform well enough for training for me you'll get the chance rather than she's going over the top in the, uh, for the 60 year old lad who's thinking fucking hell nobody's heard of me last week and now everybody's thinking when am I going to make my debut so I think the, sh- the switch from a more stable head is going to be beneficial in the long term for Dunfermline in the way that they're going forward as well as, as you say that, as you say, John John Hughes was a he's a he's a character of the game, and uh, and uh, I think rightly so he should should be remembered fondly in in Scottish in in, in the grand scheme of Scottish football he should Absolutely. be remembered fondly. Absolutely. But uh, as, I I think it, it, I don't know if any of the listeners have, have listened to his interview with uh, the Open Goal podcast when he talks about the Ken when uh, like Dirk Ryden and Gary O'Connor and that were coming through the youth team at, at, at Hibs and uh, he was uh, also one of the Star Wars I think he was captain at the time at Hibs yeah, and, really uh, and uh, Kenny, he finally just talks about Kenny like says that his, his way of like 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 dealing with them was just like turning the light off and like battering battering lumps at them and I think uh, I think it shows you Kenny that when you think about that 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 group of talent that came out of Hibs at the time and how many of them that just end up can kind of wasting it really? Yeah. No, I think it, I think it shows you that kind of that old mentality and how it it, it might might nurture kind of the odd the odd kind of well, it's uh, it's the odd flower in the in the bunch, but the uh, kind of a lot of the time it can, it can go it can go wrong with them. It's, it's also like you tap into things there. It's like Hughes is from Leith and Edinburgh, obviously very much a Hibs boy. Rather than much the same, Gary O'Connor much the same. Now, obviously, I, I, my dad lives in Leaf. She's lived in Leaf as long as I've been alive. Like I know the area roughly. And it, like you've, we've all seen train spotting. You know, what I mean? we we know it's maybe not a rough rough to that extreme, but and it's obviously been gentrified at the moment. But in the eighties and nineties, this was an area which is very much deprived. Maybe football was your way out, so you're not necessarily getting scholar athletes who are the kind of brains of Britain in the, in these places and the, they need to be kind of looked after and kind of brought on for saying like, like your talent's great you can go very far in this game as O'Connor did um, but they need looked after as people as well because they're not used to these extravagant amounts of money because of, because of where they come from so they, they needed looked after as much as maybe Hughes can bond with them because he was maybe playing games with them in a kind of way that these boys from Leith would play with their kids, and uh, the sort of the, the the kids that they grew up with as well. They also needed that guy, the guy, obviously to lead them on as well to say this is what you make career wise. This is the choices you need to try and make, and then obviously they make make their own way decisions on the way. But I don't think I think what like Radden and O'Connor is in the, in that stage is you didn't we didn't look after the young kids coming through, and they were allowed to make. Kind of the wrong de- the wrong decisions at the wrong time because they weren't being aided by first team professionals by taking them a kind of under their wing and looking after them. Whereas Scott Brown obviously lives or well, grew up kind of a stone's throw from here uh, down like a hill of Beath. He's obviously been a model professional. Stephen Whitaker, um, he grew up from that kind of period of time as well, and they've obviously gone down to Fleetwood Town. Uh, I mean, Scott Brown was another one that was in training with the team last season as well, and obviously they never massive impact on them but we'll see what happens with them too at Fleetwood Town I think it's interesting as well that 
my pace really to bring these kind of own team as well. She was just going down to kind of look after the academy, which I think was like the the, the long term kind of idea with bringing him into the club. He's brought in Dave McKay, who was with him at Dundee, uh, had a bit of managerial magi- experiences at Stirling Albion, and um, teammates at Livingston as well, uh, along with Alan Main, who is the goalkeeping coach now as well. So the, the, the fact that McPake's been allowed to bring in his own team around him, I think will, will aid him because these are guys he trusts, he knows, he knows what um, their abilities are, he knows who he can rely on them for. He can, you know, he can pick his weaknesses out. He can pick out their weaknesses out and accentuate their strengths. So I think that's a, that's a good start base to stand for. You don't need everybody, every single member of a team, team around you to be uh, knowledgeable to you. But I think if you've got your assistant coach that you can rely on and your goalkeeping coach to kind of deal with that side of the game, is you're on a solid footing to kind of bring you on. I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mike. That's his uh, also um, big believer that. Can you bring in your own team kind of idea? And uh, I think you saw that with Dunfermline in the last few few years. Ken, it was the a different manager, but the same the same coaching staff. And do you think that's been detrimental to to Dunfermline over the over the last couple of years? Having having the likes of uh, well, obviously Stephen Whitaker was there as player coach, and then uh, Greg Shields. Can uh, obviously can uh, lauded as a as a youth coach, but uh, perhaps maybe. Maybe not the right person around, around the, the the first team that it, it kind of got thrust onto. Yeah, it's definitely possible um, because I'm not sure who Grant brought in to be his number. I don't think Grant really operated with a number two as such. Obviously, she's never brought anybody in apart from these guys who are doing it off their own kind of backs as kind of observers. I think, but I think when you also do that, you're kind of maybe putting the joint the noses out of joint for the management team as well. So if Rice is always in there, kind of scrutinising training. John Collins is doing it from the stands. Like, what a kind of shields are in the dugout thinking, okay, what the fuck? Why is these guys coming in kind of above our heads? Um, kind of criticising what we're doing in the park. So I think that's maybe that causes a bit of division. So I think the, the fact that he's, he's brought in, I mean, Marker going in, I guess, could be a blessing to disguise in some way because this is a, a guy that Crawford signed with, the, I guess, with the long term image of bringing to the coaching setup if Crawford was still there but then that kind of been thrusting the point him when Grant comes in you know it, it does become a bit the hierarchical, hierarchical stu- structure kind of goes to shit so uh, I think when you kind of have a clean break uh, as he's done with the players as well and without a contract then it gives him a bit more scope to maybe implement what he wants to do on the training ground day in day out and that could kind of help the Embolden the kind of image of the club and the kind of way it wants to operate moving forward. So I think I think you are right that cleaning it cleaning it up uh, is definitely going to be beneficial to my pick. Whether he succeeds or not, it gives them the best opportunity to maybe get them feeling back into the championship. Also, uh, going into the into the last the last uh, the last tie of the of the of the campaign. That's uh, say Do you do you see uh, where the filming are right now? Uh, do you see that as um, well? Where one you'd want to be, again, in in terms of uh, when the draw was made, that to to uh, to can how it's how it's turned out. Yeah, I think you always looked at that game against Ross County as potentially the decider for the league, and I think it'll prove proven to be that if Ross County get the job done against these five on Saturday, they'll top the division. If but if, I think. The Freddie fans had to look at is nine points 
and a good goal difference. I don't think. I think the only teams to not to get nine points and have gone out have been teams with plus one goal difference, and it was Inverness one season and Peterhead the season after. So it's not just good enough to be ne- get nine points. It needs to be nine points and a good goal difference to go with it. I think the bucket has all helped that massively. Not getting scudded in the Dingwall helps that. So if they're failing to do the job on Saturday and see themselves over the line against Dawa, and if they don't, even if they don't qualify, you can still say it's job done because three wins from three, you've took the game to Ross Kerry and you've just been done by them having a, a decent spell of the game. Even sure Kerwell said that maybe they're feeling probably edged it. Um, but again, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of one-off games. You know? I mean, that'll happen. Of course, the... Of course, the cross of a season, like the Ross would be miles ahead of Dunfermline, but in, in that one-off game, earlier on in the campaign, you maybe hope to catch some cold as Bucky did um, in the season opener when they lost on penalties. So I think, yeah, happy where Dunfermline are. The fact that they're not conceding goals at an alarming rate, they're scoring the odd few, um, they kind of chuntered to beat these five, but again, Two of them was probably fair on the balance of play of how much they dominated the game. He's five didn't get a shot on target, so Mehmet's not had much to do in the uh, three League Cup games so far. I think he could be quietly happy that everything seems to be coming towards the squad already been settled as well. The fact that Breen and Benedictus have formed up a, a partnership at centre half quickly. Common uh, and Edwards still seem to be kind of solid fullbacks that have been here for the last two and a bit seasons now I think Common and Edwards are probably the in fact they will be the, the two most uh, the two players with the most appearances for the Dunfermline uh, currently within the squad so I think you're you're building on solid foundations with Hamlin sitting just in front of that as well I think everything's pointing towards the, the right direction and I think it's kind of a double whammy that you've got Alwa last game of the League Cup and the first game of the season as well both at East End Park so I guess that's, in, that's interesting as well that you're kind of setting yourself up for you win the game on Saturday you're going in with the expectation that you can win the game next Saturday as well and starting the league season going into the August uh, on the right foot when it comes to and I think <laughs> the next game will be the leisure centre game against Edinburgh, Edinburgh or FC Edinburgh as we've got to call them now <laughs> which makes no sense because when the FC's after the game you don't have to bother including it because it's uh, FC Barcelona <laughs> now we've got to call them FC Edinburgh but um, I think they're probably on the, on the right track just now but again we've seen in the past League Cup campaigns don't always mean that there's going to be a great league season uh, coming from it, so quietly optimistic. Well, as, as we talk about that, um, obviously the, the teams around you that, that are, are maybe expected to uh, to um, challenges around uh, Falkirk have obviously had a, a very up and down, uh, also beat Hibs, uh, drew with uh, Morton last night uh, and got beat on penalties I believe. Uh, um, they beat Bonnie Rigg on penalties and I think they lost to Morrow on penalties. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so. Um, also a, a bit of a kind of a so-so campaign for, for Falkirk. Uh, Kelty, is, uh, I'm loath to say that Kelty are, are, should kind of go a bit up challenging there, that it says, but uh, it, it seems that pundits are, um, are uh, kind of thinking that it's, it's like the, the, next, the next play. Well, I don't want to say great now either, but like the same that kind of that kind of that kind of feeling. Are you talking about boys at BBC Scotland who have to see their Kelly game yes, in the pub? Yeah, yeah, well that's it. No, but uh, can also um, Kelty have uh, have had a bit of a so-so campaign and uh, going on to that 
uh, Airdrie had uh, said that also uh, I, I watched against Cowdenbeath and um, I, I really wasn't impressed with them obviously didn't have a, a full bench yet uh, with, with the, the, the no trialless rule no. I think Airdrie can go one or two ways because McCabe's took over as manager player manager at the age of 29 from Ian Murray who's did impressively well with them uh, the last couple of campaigns and obviously I'm not saying they should have gone up but by miles they're the second best team to Cove all season and Queen's Park managed to squeeze out in the playoffs and listen you can't say Queen's Park didn't deserve it by far energy with the, over the course of that season with the, the, the second best team without doubt in that division so it'll be interesting to see where they go um, now that they lost to Easter as well who's a very key part to what to what they do and so I think, I think that team could go one or two ways I think the last three will be Edinburgh um, Peterhead and Clyde um, I think it'll be very hard for them to push for a playoff spot Edinburgh who I mean they were arguably another team who got very fortunate to come up through the through the playoffs uh, you'll see a lot of more league teams league two teams than me but they never seem to impress uh, but Alan maybe seems to get a tune out of them and then the last couple of months we got them up and fair play to them um, you're right with Falkirk I think Falkirk will push them hard couldn't they under Billy Gibson I can see them maybe having a bit of a reset, uh, renaissance the fact that they they're kind of always kind of floating in that ninth, kind of 8th, ninth, 10th position for the last few seasons. And uh, they finally went their way, but Billy Gibson obviously very heralded down there. And it seemed to get a bit of a cheer out of them. Uh, also brought, the brought back a, a lot of uh, ex-players and, and, and players that done really well for, for Queen of South through the, through the years. Which could go one or two uh, ways. Well, right? that, that's it. Uh, can, uh, also, the old adage is that you, you don't go back. And uh, I think it's... Um, I, I, I don't think well, I, I think that Queen of were doomed last year but uh, I don't think Will Gibson made any any real like stab like uh, or any real difference to that whatsoever it just it just felt like it was a continuation so I mean Will Gibson's in half as well these <laughs> days <laughs> I mean I think uh, you can also have a bit uh, I've got a wee bit of a soft spot for, for Queen of South that is a uh, only because my football manager career was way by it says um, can like to like to see them do well only team mentioned in the bible if you don't count uh, Mansfield or Arsenal but uh, it says um, uh, no I think I think I think uh, this is probably Dunfermline's uh, looking at well looking at the League Cup campaign I think it's probably Dunfermline's to lose well, I think I think they're, they're being favourites um, I wouldn't be putting them on I would definitely say Dunfermline have the best chance of winning the, the title and if you ask me for a prediction I would say Dunfermline will win the title but I'm not expecting to be kind of this kind of rampant kind of surging run that they win it by 10-15 points or so I think it'll be kind of tightly contested and might go down to the last four or so games of the season the issue with Falkirk is you'd expect Falkirk to run a challenge with McGlynn as manager but um Again, like Falkirk for years now, they've just been, they've got the, they know how to hit that self-destruction button and you, it's always interesting, no matter the turnover of players, the fact that the organisation always seems to be the kind of same, does the same thing, makes you makes you think and makes you wonder and I'll be interested to guess that fourth place in the, in the playoffs, whether it's your Montrose or Salden Stable, it kind of, 
under Pizzi and kind of just always kind of stay the course? Is it going to be an Airdrie? Is it going to be... I don't know. I, I, I really don't know who's going to really push for that fourth spot, but it, it will be interesting. But I think you can definitely split the two, t two tiers at this moment in time into a, a top seven and then a bottom three. And then that, that would be what it is, because it's hard to see Clyde, who got humped off what a, what a poor hip side at the moment, um, peer head to... I think they're struggling with Cove, maybe hoovering up a lot of the players. I think that's a, a, a bit of an issue, obviously. Uh, peter Head were the traditional team in the in the northeast there, uh, again, with, with only Aberdeen being there, that were uh, able to... to Get the bring in play. Also, Ronan McAllister moved uh, moved away from Peterhead to, to go to Cove. Um, I think you're right there that that Cove's been a bit of a a challenge to Peterhead traditionally now, and I think I think I think Peterhead will probably fall away again uh, and and end up probably being a bit of a, a I mean, mid mid table game lead to you side. That's what they have been yeah, for their, their their history, but I think maybe not as a. Not as like I'll drop down to, to League Two, but can they're, they're winning the league? I think it, I think it's more of a case of them maybe struggling to get third, fourth, can to to, to to get to the playoffs. I mean, Peterhead have effectively become what Stenish Muir is to like the lowland league is now as well. Like Stenish Muir's got Falkirk nearby, uh, in between in between a big city as well in Edinburgh, so it's kind of very hard to necessarily pick up the kind of. Also Stalin as well. Exactly. Yeah, Who will pay more of a probably competitive wage. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think you are right there. You'll see Peterhead kind of fall back to what maybe their natural kind of level is. So, but alongside Stairs, funnily enough. But I think it'll be, it'll be an interesting league one season. I, th I think it may be the most competitive if it's, it's ever been with the inclusion of Kelly as well. It'll be interesting to see how, how kind of they fare. But I think there's, there's a lot of teams who... If you seen go up in the, ch the championship uh, next season, you wouldn't be too surprised outside of the kind of three aforementioned there. But I, th I think it's going to be a, an interesting season and an enjoyable season of that as well. See, it is a, a very, um, a, a, as you said, uh, there's not been an awful lot of uh, transfer movement with Dunfermline. And uh, do, you, do you find that worrying? I mean, um, I've, I've always been a bit. Because uh, also um, being 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 a, a a lower league team supporter and that says it tends to be that you, you you've got a, a lot of movement. Came but uh, the the and and a lot of the time it doesn't work. As you said, uh, Stennis Muir um, have uh, famously been quite a, a team that signs a team up in in July and then and then re signs a team in in, in January uh, to 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 stay the course. But um, are you a uh, are you worried coming into into this new team, especially seeing as it's been a, a Dunfermline team that that were uh, they were hopeless a lot of times yeah. the last season, but they do seem in, in the league cup and, and as you said, the, the league cup campaign's not a shouldn't be a marker, but uh, do you see that as being a bit of a it's a bit of a worry that the, the team that though they do look a bit rejuvenated or uh, or with a, another mindset um, do you feel it's a bit of a worry uh, I know that you said that um, the, you can, you've only got the three set and halves and uh, can also, you always want a bit more cover there yeah I think when you look at it there is 
a lot of cover in a lot of positions if you really drilled into it. So and that includes the presses as well. Maybe you don't want all the presses to play straight away. Like Sam Young's only 16 playing centre-half. Unless he's exceptional and can back up Benedictus, then you maybe want to kind of protect him to an extent for the future. Archibald in goals, he's only 17. Again, do you really want to thrust him into... He's the only, he's the only player that never played any of the pre-season or the League Cup. He's always been on the bench. Do you really want to thrust him into the first-team environment of a League One campaign uh, and that him be his first experience of first-team football? I, I doubt it. But then outside of that, Michael Beagley, he was playing for um, Spartans. So he's had some first-team football off the back of leaving Hearts. Young guy as well. Bias kind of had that uh, first-team experience. And you're not thrusting him in to be the starter. So uh, him being back up right back to... Aaron Comrie, who's always been kind of sod, uh, never misses, rarely misses any games anyway. I think that's absolutely fine. Uh, you go into the midfield, Jake Rainey, if he could kind of be a wide midfielder as kind of a backup to like the wingers, I don't see, I don't see that being a problem. And the, the same goes for um, if Andrew Todd, who's a bit younger, only sixteen, he's uh, born in two thousand and five. If he's like your fifth, sixth choice centre mid. No, that's absolutely that's absolutely fine to run with. So that's all the the, the premises to start with. That's an extra five guys that you can utilise in your 20, 22 kind of match squad that you can what would be wrong with. The fact that Wayne's been pushed out to kind of left wing, I think that's a position that you could play particularly well and excelling, especially at this level. You've got the two strikers in McCann and Todorov. I think that's absolutely fine. You can rotate them. You could start them together. It's not a problem. And O'Hara on the other side. I think you can get away with a. I think you can get away with a front three of three strikers and try to run over the top of League One teams, uh, or even League Two teams at this level. And much the similar vein that Alan Johnson did, news done from the manager the last time. But it was very much an all-out attack, and kind of the, the defense would just kind of sort itself out. And you'd seen teams even go up at East End Park. Like I can remember like a famous game against Stranraer, went one up after five minutes. Dunfermline rolled over the top of them one six one, and that's maybe the best pound for pound performance I've ever seen them play and just because if you've got the two and a half that can organise the back line and Benedictus and Breen and then bring in a guy that can understand it I think of all the players that they've thrown let go in the summer who were all out of contract Lewis Martin is maybe the only one you keep just because he's got that versatility in defence he's left footed I think that would be a particularly hard position to kind of maybe recruit so even like say the players that left, obviously you are keep Don Thomas, but he's gone to a better situation at Queen's Park. So I fully understand that. The other players you wouldn't have kept apart from Lewis Martin. So I'm not concerned that there's maybe one or two positions that you maybe want to strengthen. I know George Chalmers gets a lot of shit, but he can be a left midfielder that plays it wide. So it's not like we're stuck of having no wide midfielders or no wingers. It's just about using the squad to your best ability and pushing them into positions where they can excel and can perform and can do a job. I think McPake's keen on two formations, the 4-3-3 and the 3-5-2. And I think when they're trying to get one or two centre-halves, then they'll be sorry for the season. Now, maybe the bedwetting comes from the fact that there's only been two new signings. But there's guys, there's guys coming on loan all the time. You I mean you've got up to five sign, uh, signs on loan that you can make? The film should need to make umpteen loan signs. If anything, that's been a fault for the club. 
last few seasons of just filling them with loan signs and then swapping half of them in the January. So, no, I'm not concerned, and there's no reason to be concerned. What's the point of just bringing a guy in after shit? So, <coughs> but I mean, just bringing a body for the sake of body is no good to anybody. I think you can test that account with just fill a squad because they've got a name or they've kind of got a prestige to them. As you say in that, says that that was the issue at Kenby is that we came as his fans came, we, we, we we thought we were going to be a, a promotion playoff site and it, it, it didn't turn out right. And that's just like you say, Lee McCann obviously familiar with uh Dunfermline fans for his, his time in the in the uh, well the old SBL. That's just uh, Craig Mangle Bar, that uh, likes of that. Kyle Hutton, that's just obviously uh, Famous with uh, Dunfermline fans, and uh, well, one for uh, the SBL season that uh, he spent from January on loan, and then uh, for uh, letting them win 4 3 against St. Mirren that kind of kick started uh, oh, Dunfermline's yeah, yeah, first yeah. season back up the championship. But uh, no, um, you're right there, so uh, I don't think you should be filling gaps just but just for the season uh, as well. Aye, uh, well, that, that's it. That's uh, just if you're, if you're able to, and and I know that you, you you talk about not wanting to 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 to, to blood uh, the youngsters too too early and that says, but it's probably the right time to as well. Now, especially if you've got uh, as you see, you've got that core of Ken Benedict as Breen, uh, you've got Todorov, uh, Bacan's come through again uh, as a good player. Chalmers is obviously uh, a, a, a bit a hit, hit miss player and that says, but he's a, a first team player. It's maybe time to kind in League One when you're not going to expect to be struggling that you're expecting to, to do better is it maybe can blood these these youngsters and get as as you know it's it's, it's, it's it young players and that's is you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna have a hundred percent record with them. That's is some of them aren't gonna aren't, aren't gonna make the cut just uh, but and that that's just that's just life, that's just football. That's is uh, but you'll you maybe on there can hopefully like Andrew, Andrew Todd's son and, and well again uh, Andy Todd's son of one Mark two no it's his, Jesus Todd no it's his, uh, maybe he's uh, he, maybe he's the next uh, Dunfermline Ken legend to, to come through and that's his kind of and can we also when we when we were growing up yeah you had the likes of Andy Todd Barry Barry Nicholson Ken uh, Scott Wilson aye, and that's his all these oh, kind of like long-lived players and, and Dunfermline shirts you've not, not really had that since uh, well probably Cardo was the, as the, the next the next big one from there and that even then it wasn't it wasn't a, a full a full time uh, to be fair though this is Barry Nicholson had a, a, had a wee break and uh, as, as a, Andy Todd going in the Crawford but, uh, Stevie Crawford uh, mm. Stevie Crawford as well going in the um, Argyle and then uh, uh, Dundee United after that but um, uh, and Aberdeen as well uh, yeah yeah uh, but uh, no, it's just, uh, maybe, maybe it's time to to kind of blood these youngsters, and as long as you've got that that kind of core there, or the kind of they're not being relied on, will will help them uh, excel. Uh, can, we saw it. We saw it with uh, kind of the the first kind of Jeffrey seasons, kind of after administration, and he, all you had was the young ones and. You look at Ken, how many of them turned out. Cal Morris was probably the only one that that, 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 that Cal Morris 
and Ross Millen I said it all the time he was an alright player he got absolutely hounded out in Dunfermline that so he's done alright for himself um, but even, even look at the boys like Chris Allen's come in he, he's, young, he's younger than Matthew Todd aye well we um, oh so we we had uh, Kim Beef we had Chris Allen on, on loan and uh, that was the season that we finished in the, the well uh, finished out with the playoffs just under Gary Bowen and it was after he, he got recalled with uh, Connor Smith uh, to Hearts and um, he was he was a standout for us nah, and uh, can also we had a, a very slow back line at the time I had uh, Jamie Piper and uh, Craig Barr and uh, and uh, t- uh, Chris playing a, uh, came within the, uh, came the the back three as a kind of sweeper and uh, he's short He's a very, very short man, but he's a, a very smart football player, a yeah. very, very intelligent football player, and he's a, he, what he lacks in height, he's, he, he makes up in, in being able to read the game, and uh, we found that he, he helped out kind of along that back three, and I think that's what kind of shielded Craig Barr from being really found out as kind of coming to the, the end of his days, was that he had that... that a player in, in Chris Hamlin that was able to, to, to react to mistakes and um, I think uh, Dunfermline when, when, when they signed them I, thought, you know, I, I was uh, you know, I was uh, I was one of the first to say that was a, that was a good signing off him especially at this level I think he's uh, he's got the ability to, to really show up in, 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 in the championship if not the, the, I don't think he's going to be an elite player he says I don't think he's going to be Playing in the Europa League for like some other well or, or or whoever's up there at the time, but uh, I, I don't see any reason why he can't develop into being a, a lower end uh, Premiership or, or or high Championship player. No, uh, I don't don't disagree with the one bit, and the, but it's just the fact that Mike Peaks already inherited a pretty young squad and thinks age isn't probably the necessary factor. It's can you do it? Can you I, step up to a level? And Chris Allen certainly can because he's shown it with our both before. And like so he's given Breeden more of a chance than probably his predecessors did. He was a grant signing. And I think it's interesting that he's inherited three previous managers' players now, and he's obviously trying to put them all together in, in a way that they can work. But even like something like Josh Edwards, who's pushing over 100 appearances for the clubs, coveted by a, a few teams down south, even somebody like himself, a still a young player, or a youngish player at 21, 22 years old, you know what I mean? He's still, he's still a guy who's got room to develop and but he's had the experience of going through the trials and tribulations I've done feeling of mostly be, mostly being shit times to be honest but he's come through that and his head's never really gone down he's always kind of excelled as a, as a football player hence why he's been covered by a few clubs so age isn't the barrier t- to the first team it's obviously the ability and but you are right there is a balance to be struck with you want enough kind of experienced heads within the team that can help the young players through when maybe their thumb's taking a dip and how do you cover and what do you do when you've had a dry spell and stuff like that. It's, it's having the right characters in your leaders in the dressing room to help the young ones develop their game onto, onto the next level. So as much as it's good having a young crop of players, it's having them ha- flourish as well, having the right path for them to show their abilities and kick on to the next level, which obviously if they kick on to the next level don't be at Dunfermline for long, but Dunfermline will be compensated for that fact. And I think Dunfermline need to get more into the mindset of being able to tie down good players in longer term contracts and being able to sell them on to 
well effectively fund it back into this youth set that's going to come on and hopefully develop the next kind of crop of youngsters that are going to come in through and represent the club I think you're right there and I think Dunfermline had uh, uh, the board and, and the management team had that kind of idea a few seasons ago with with the wrong players, uh, kind of given given out kind of two two year three year contracts and uh, it's it's also come back and, and bitten the club but uh, hopefully um, can you've got this this young management team and this this kind of new new thinking management team also uh, can um, when I watched uh, Dundee in the championship came when they were on the tail it's, it's, I, I was never really dissuaded by them I, I didn't think they played as uh, as bad as, as what people said they did and that's it's also that they, were still, came, they played one of in the cup but that's a one-off game and that's it's, you, you raise your game with that like. but uh, also um, Tom Fairman I think need to to realise that they're no longer and that's a, a, a thing that I've, a, like says uh, we talk about like, kind of, like uh, us as kind of beef play, uh, fans and that's it's uh, where we're a, a, a yo-yo team for the championship, but that was ten years ago now. No, it's, it's, uh, we're no longer that team, and that's it. And I think Dunfermline uh, fans, uh, uh, supporters, uh, uh, as yourself, you, you see yourselves as a Premiership, uh, a Premiership team, but you've had one one year in the in the w- 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 in the Premiership when it was the SPL. Yeah, and that was aye, and that was Ken as we left the school. No, that was two thousand eleven. That's no, so year. But yeah. we will not be at least thirty until we see the film potentially back in the no. top five. And that, I mean, it's kind of it's also a very very well supported team. It's been a, a badly run team, I'd, I'd say in the last uh, last kind of decade. Uh, also, they kind of sorted themselves out from administration, but they, I don't think the uh, uh, well going off of what Robbie said that he got given a a um, uh, our our. Uh, uh, our, our friend Robbie, who who uh, contributes to the podcast, uh, had um, been given a a, a survey yeah. for not for for uh, he, he decided not to, to continue with his his question uh, with his season ticket and uh, was quite scathing in it. That basically that um, he didn't believe that the, the club listened to the fans and uh, and I agree with him. I, and uh, I think that's I think that's uh, correct and in, insane and uh, from from looking from the outside in kind of thing and. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's all I could laugh at it, but uh, she's a uh, Dunfermline aren't a team that should should be in this position, and uh, I know that. She's, no. Can we? Can anybody? Anybody looking looking at Dunfermline knows that that shouldn't happen with it. With the the kind of the stadium, the facilities that you have, the the fan base, it, it shouldn't happen. But it's it's been off of uh, off of uh, what the board has, and we've got into this in, in countless podcasts. I don't want to really go back into it, but the. I think uh, I think this is a a right time again just to just to uh, take a, a bit of a, a a breath of fresh air again and 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 maybe build something and and perhaps when you get back up to the championship as I'm sure you will do this year and that season in the championship either through the playoffs or or as champions but uh, maybe it's 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 time that when you when you get up maybe it's it's not. Uh, it's not maybe not a, a playoffs or dead kind of situation as as what uh, Alan Johnson faced and uh, and was well Stevie Crawford uh, also left because of the stress of it that with this idea that they, they had to get the film promoted and it's it's probably no longer uh, you should no longer seen as a as a as a Premiership side as what Falkirk uh, should be seen as a Premiership side and there 
uh, again, probably a slightly less well-supported team than Dunfermline. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, this will be the fourth season in League One uh, since being relegated from the SPL in 2012. So if you think about that, four seasons out of 11, I mean, it's, it's hard It's hard to agree the return rate to, to see yourself as one of Scotland's elite clubs at the moment. In that time, you've seen Roscoe win the League Cup, Inverness win the Scottish Cups, and Johnston win both Cups, uh, including the Scottish Cup twice. Uh, you've seen the likes of Ross County finishing in, in the top six a couple of times as well. Um, St Johnston have them, they could draw a Galatasaray. You've seen Dundee United uh, fall and rise back into Europe. You've seen Hearts being relegated twice and getting back into Europe. Hibs come back and go to Europe. You've seen Livingston bypass you on the way from the third division into the top flight and get to a, a League Cup final. Um, Numerous teams win the Challenge Cup, which they've really never done either. Um, Cove Rangers pass into the Championship. So the, the, there's a level of being stagnant and your expectation being overwhelmed into thinking you what you are. They've really have the potential to be a Premiership team, but they've not shown it for the last 10 years. So there's no point in deriding the fact that our teams are bypassing. You've got to say the fact that this is where they've really are. And I think this is where some of them maybe the sneering attitude of seeing Dunfermline where they should be rather than accepting the fact of where they are comes into place whereas oh we don't want we don't want Kai Kennedy back at the club he wasn't good for us and I'm not saying Kai Kennedy was excellent at Dunfermline last season this is a league below now different manager maybe he gets the best out of him and he improves as he moves forward into his development phase of his career and like you see him go to Falkirk and you're like thinking why why have that stealing attitude of a player who would get on we get alone, could put the, it didn't ask the start of the weekend we can but he could play the odd game. Whereas and it's just like you look at the markets like point to me the players that you want that you believe are gettable. Daniel Mackay was an option for us. Uh we want to pay his full wages, um he ends up going back to Inverness. Because they're in a better situation for him football wise, he can go back to the championship. A team where he recognises his abilities it can maybe flourish and then bounce back to Hibs and then move on to the, the next stage of his career. Dunfermline can't be... There's three full-time teams now. Dunfermline are probably in the best situation of those full-time teams in the third tier, but there's teams there's teams above us that can say, well, we gave you championship football, even if it's for a season. So Dunfermline can't be really... You've got to be picky, but you can't be picky to the extent where you kind of turn your nose up on players because maybe they weren't good for you a season ago, half a season ago. And uh, in, in a tier above, this is a League One season where their ability is not as good as the Championship. If you can get players in who want to come in and are hungry, then you give them opportunity, and then you then you see how you go about the next season in the Championship. You don't want to be flooding the our squad with players that are just good enough for League One, and then you go to the Championship and you have to kind of do it over again. I think it's kind of smart if McPake makes kind of as few signings as possible. So he gets the opportunity if the film do up go go up next season because I guess if he doesn't go up then he's not going to be here next season in the first place. To but then build a squad that can maybe see where it goes next season and uh, having that field of guys who are potentially good League One players and kind of average championship players is not the way to go about it. So I'm happy he's not just rushing to signs, being very selective of the process and maybe seeing until the loan market opens up to select those. 
I'd say different maybe need three signs at absolute most. I don't think it's a case of getting everybody in. It's not a case of just blowing the squad. There's no point in using your budget like that. It makes no sense. Well, going off of the uh, off the preseason and uh, and also the league cup campaign, um, where where do you see the where do you see the league uh, coming? Where, where do you see Dunfermline being about, and, and where do you, you see the, the teams around you being about? See Dunfermline will be first, uh, but I say it with no real conviction. I think it will be first and no more. Uh, should Falkirk turn up for once uh, in, the, in the league one campaign, I think they'll finish runners up. And they've definitely got the potential of going up through the playoffs. I'll say Queen South third. I do like what Willie Gibson's maybe maybe try and bring back some of that kind of when Alan Johnson was manager there, they seemed to be going through a really good phase and it was exciting football. And if they can get that back, I can just see Queen South bringing people back into the into the stands and they'll finish third. And then I will get uh, I'll go Montrose. I think I'll go Montrose. That stable base is maybe what pushes Airdrie and uh, KLT out of the picture slightly. But I, th- I think it'll be a close run race now. <coughs> but the, looking at the uh, the championship, then who who do you, who would you expect to be well finishing the uh, in, in that relegation playoff place? Uh, <sighs> Air would be interesting. I don't think they're going great guns at the moment. Um, but I, I, get, I guess it's kind of tough one because you don't know what Cove's going to do now that Hartley's gone. Um, usually you get a bounce from a team that wins League One going straight up into the playoffs. You've seen them at Partick Thistle, Livingston's, of course, Rangers. Um, even though Fairly cut it close, they missed it by three points. so I don't think Rangers count it, well, I say. <laughs> <coughs> no, but, um, yeah, I'd go here. Go here. But keep an eye on Hamon. Um, something just seems off there. Uh, I just, uh, uh, just struggling behind the scenes completely, aren't they? But, um, uh, if, do you have anything else to add or uh, we'll leave it there? <laughs> no, we'll see next time when I'm floundering and I'll make my team at once, but, I'm I'm more optimistic than say the tail end of last season when we potentially had John Hughes going to this season. So I think David Cook coming in as CEO and chairman, I think is a positive move. His kind of marketing brand will be a positive for the club moving forward. I think there needs to be kind of movement done on the training base, but that'll come in time. But hopefully everything ticks along nicely. And then we'll see where we are in a few months' time. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, I've been Aaron Dugan, that's uh, Mike Wood. That, uh, see you next time.